Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Friends, when we speak about the church, when we speak about the body of Christ, we don't just mean, the church doesn't mean, and the church has never meant, just simply us visible earthly members of the church, the earthly members of the body of Christ. In fact, we, the church on earth, comprise the smallest component of the body of Christ. We are the smallest part of the church, and in fact, also the weakest, right? You have the church suffering in purgatory, Right, those who are still on their way to glory in the final purification. You also have the church triumphant, right? Those from whom we ask intercession, the angels and saints in glory, right? The those closest to the throne of God. And then we, who are we? We are the church, the ecclesia militans, as it was said in Latin, the church on the march, the church on battle, the church still engage in the struggle. Another translation, the fighting church, the Ecclesia Militans. Now look, I know we've lost that kind of imagery uh, in our modern sort of thinking about the church, but I think, I really think, when we think about our culture, maybe this is just me, but when we think about our culture, what's going on in our world, I think we need to restore and recover that language, amen? Yeah, I think so. I think at least we need to recover what was contained in the vision there, what's contained in the language. So here's a question. Why are we the Ecclesia Militans? Why are we the fighting church? Well, because of the mission that's proper to the church, which is essentially to evangelize. It's essentially to spread, to announce the euangelion, right? That's, you've heard me use that word before. You've heard me preach about this before, right? It doesn't just simply mean good news, right? Where we get the word gospel. It doesn't just simply mean good news. Like, hey, good news. It's going to be really nice tomorrow for the 4th of July, right? Like, that's not what we mean by good news. The word euangelion, you've heard me share this before, but it bears repeating. The word euangelion is not a native religious word. It didn't come from Israel. It didn't come from Judaism. It didn't come from the religious context. It came from the Greco-Roman military world, right? Euangelion was the word that was used by the Roman emperor, by the Roman empire to announce victory, right? They would send angeloi to all the parts of the, em- the empire, messengers, that's where we get the word angels, they would send angeloi with the news, with the declaration that new territory has been conquered, victory has happened, and like Caesar is Lord is what they would be saying. So the earliest Christians, when they were looking for a word to like, how do we describe this message that we have to announce to the world, they reached for the word euangelion. They deliberately wanted to have the connotation of military conquest. They wanted to communicate that a decisive battle has been won and a new Lord sits on the throne. Like The Lord of history is not Caesar, it's not Nero, it's not Alexander the Great, it's not Genghis Khan, it's not any worldly power, it's Christ. Christos Kyrios, Christ is Lord, Christ sits on the throne. And the great news, the good news, the, tr- the real euangelion is that he has defeated sin and death in his glorious resurrection, right? And he's established, he established his body on earth, right, the church, to continue to extend his victory through time, 
right? What he accomplished definitively on the cross, his suffering, death, and resurrection, his descent to hell, right? That victory he extends through time, through his body now still on earth, the fighting body still on earth. Why? So that the church, his body, could continue to reclaim more and more territory for the Father. Right? The goal, the mission of the church is to heavenize earth. I just made that word up, okay? Just, you can do that when you talk theology, right? Our goal is to heavenize earth, to bring heaven to earth. Right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Like St. Paul, when he speaks about we are ambassadors for Christ, his whole vision here is we are meant to bring the, the good order of heaven. We're meant to bring this Christian vision of reality to bear upon the historical context that surrounds us, right? That's the mission, to heavenize earth. Okay, so now why am I going on about this? Because I had a lot of coffee this morning. No, okay. Because of what we see in this gospel, this is not Jesus like the itinerant preacher wandering the Judean hillsides just like telling people to be nice to each other, right? That's not who this is. This is Jesus, the exorcist. This is Jesus, the general. This is Jesus, the commander, who is strategically sending out emissaries to begin the great battle, to begin the skirmish. Like he's sending them out two by two to every town he intends to visit to pick a fight, right? To pick a fight. He sends them out with authority to confront the enemy. That's what he's doing, to draw out the enemy, to announce the enemy's defeat before the definitive defeat on the cross, right? He's, it's like he's sending them out there to trash talk. That's what he's doing, right? To go out there and say sin, death, sickness, dysfunction, disorder, chaos, you do not have the final say. Like, you do not have the final say. You do not have the final victory. Jesus does, and your time is running out. Your time is running out. The kingdom of God is at hand for you. These are not just like meek and mild, like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do kind of thing, right? That's not who these guys are. They're going out there with boldness and power and authority. Like, as I was praying through this, this uh, as I was praying through the gospel, like, the image that just kept the, for the first bubbled up was, um, and like this, it was just very obscure. So I was like, all right, maybe this is the Holy Spirit. I don't know. But it was an image of all that old timey footage of Muhammad Ali, okay, right? The boxer, Muhammad Ali. All the, the pre fight footage where he'd be trash talking his opponents, right? Telling them the champ is here. Like that's the image that kept bubbling up. Like this is what, that's what the pairs are going out to do to announce that Christ. Our hero, Christ, our champion, Christ, our commander, like our savior, our Lord, the, the champ is here. That's what they're doing. This is why we are the Ecclesia Militans, the, the church militant, the church on the march, the fighting church, because the mission, like proper to the laity, so like y'all, right? The mission, your mission as the church is not merely to come here on Sundays. That's not your mission. That's your obligation. That's your duty. That's... That's your lifeline. Your mission is to leave here at the end of Mass and to bring to bear what you received here out into the world, right? You're not merely meant to come here. You're meant to be deployed from here. You're meant to come here to be fueled, to be fed, to be healed, to be comforted, to be nourished, to be nurtured, all of that, and then sent out, right, to invade the enemy's strongholds. 
Like, we should have war paint at the doors, right? Like, you put black paint on your eyes, right? Like, that's what we should have. That's the vision, to be agents of transformation out in the world. Remember when Jesus gives Peter his name, when he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus says, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Remember then he adds this. He says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, the church. So Jesus adds to that part of the gospel. Friends, I think for most of my Christian life, like I've heard that part of the gospel. I've heard that part of what Jesus says to Peter. I've heard that totally wrong, right? Like here's how, here's how I've heard it. Here's how I've heard it, like many others preached about it and interpreted this, right? So, like, so things are bad, right? Things in the church are, are crazy. Bad things are coming to light. Scandals are being unearthed. There's all sorts of cover-up and corruption and oh my gosh. And we're beginning to think like, like Lord, what is going on? What are you doing? Like, the ship is taken on water. I don't know if we're going to manage this. I think we're going to sink. Like, we're going down. We're being overrun. And then someone says, don't worry. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against it, right? As if to say, like, Satan's not going to get his way. The church is going to be fine. Jesus is with us. Okay, now, all of that is true. But let me just ask, like, first of all, has anybody heard that preached that way or interpreted that way? Yes, not just me? Okay, good. All right. Let me just ask this. What is the role... What is the function of a gate? Do gates do anything? Like, can a gate go on the offense? No. Like, can gates attack? No. What Jesus is saying in that part of the gospel, which applies to what we're talking about, what he's saying is that all, like, all the powers of hell will not be able to finally withstand the invasion of Christ. It's not that heaven's like, oh gosh, here comes hell. No, it's hell thinking, we're about to be invaded by heaven. That's the point. That's what he's saying. That like the power of the church, the power of the gospel, the power of truth and beauty and goodness, like light will invade every corner of darkness. That's what Jesus is saying. Like what began on Holy Saturday, what began on Holy Saturday has continued throughout every age of the, of the history of the church by the power of the Spirit, working through the church, working through normal, everyday men and women like you and me, right? That Christ has continued to invade the gates of hell, the fortresses of hell, to reclaim them for the Father. This, this is what St. Ephraim from the fourth century says about Christ's descent into hell's domain on Holy Saturday. Listen to this. Death could not devour our Lord unless he possessed a body. Neither could hell swallow him up unless he bore our flesh. And so he came in search of a chariot in which to ride to the underworld. This chariot was the body which he received from the virgin. In it, he invaded death's fortress, broke open its strong room, and scattered all its treasure. Like, can I get an amen and hallelujah? Like, holy cow, like that right there, St. Ephraim. Like, Jesus' words, the promise that Jesus made to Peter is that there will be total victory. Every dark corner will be illuminated. Every sin will be brought into the light. All the evil will be dealt with, all the corruption, all the suffering, all victimization, all the innocence lost, all the victims of human trafficking and slavery, the mountains of corpses, like the full unleashing of hell and evil, like it will all be swallowed up and dealt with and will be defeated by his merciful love. And you and I, 
our role in this until the Lord Jesus comes back is to let him work through us, to be sent. Apostelene in the Greek, to be sent. That's what the word apostle means. We're an apostolic church because we get sent. Apostelene, to be sent out from here to bring the gospel into the world, to bring God to the places where God is not or where God has been exiled, or where he's been kept out. Like, that's what hell is, after all, right? It's the place where God's presence is not felt. Like, so who are the people? Where are the places where we need to bring him? Let's just take a second. I know this might sound crazy. Let's just close our eyes. We're going to ask the Lord. We're going to ask Jesus, our general, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to show us where he intends us to go. So I'm going to pray. We're going to have just a few moments of silence. We ask the Holy Spirit to show us the territory, where are the gates of hell in my life and my world? Into what town, so to speak, are you intending to send me, Jesus? So come now, Holy Spirit, and show us. Where are you trying to send us to bring to bear the power, the beauty of the gospel to confront the gates of hell? Okay, maybe you heard a word, maybe you didn't, but let's just keep on asking. Like throughout the course of the day, throughout the course of the week, Lord, where are you, where are you trying to send me? Okay, now here's the final question. Now that we've asked Jesus which territory into which he's, he's trying to send us, what, the question is, what exactly, what, exactly am I, what exactly is Father Pat talking about? What exactly does Jesus want me to do in these places? Like I said, you're going to get yourself some war paint, okay? And I'm just kidding. Okay, no. We're going to go to war like William Wallace. No. All right. So Jesus says this in the gospel. Let the people know, tell them that the kingdom of God is at hand for you. The kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean in our modern world, modern context? That the kingdom of God, which is the entire reality of God's love, the beauty, the perfect ordering of creation, the kingdom of God is the liberating, life-giving, transformative, healing love of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is the sacred heart being pierced and poured out. The kingdom of God is the unfathomable love that God has come in search for me, the lost sheep, the prodigal son, and that I've been welcomed and deeply forgiven in all of my brokenness because I came back to him. Like we are called to bear love into the world. We're called to bear love into the darkness of the world. Now, I, this sounds like a paradox, but the, the, the battering ram that smashes down the gates of hell is not power or persuasive arguments. The battering ram that smashes down the gates of hell is made out of the dripping tenderness of God's love. It's made out of the dripping tenderness that we heard in that first reading from Isaiah. It's made out of littleness and meekness and tenderness, humility. It's made out of the suffering love of Jesus Christ manifested on the cross, which is why Paul says, I boast in nothing but Christ crucified. Because that's what we see. That's what love is. That's what the depth of love looks like. That's what conquered the world. Not elephants and not horses and chariots and armies and cavalries. That, that pure suffering, broken love is what conquered the world. Like, do you hear what Isaiah was saying, what God was saying to us through Isaiah? Like, the tenderness in God's heart that you may suck fully of the milk of her comfort, that you may nurse with delight at her abundant breast. Like, he's using this imagery of a mother and all of the tenderness 
God is saying, like, this is what I want to give you to empower you to go into the world to give to the world. Right? The church, the church is the new Jerusalem. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is, like, the, where we experience the tenderness of God's heart. This is where we experience his supreme charity. Like the image of the breastfeeding mother that God gives through Isaiah is fulfilled in the Eucharist, right? This is my body given for you. The substance of my love given for you. All right, let me just tie this all up together and let me land this plane here. We cannot give what we have not first received. We are called to enter deeply into the prayer of the Mass, to come here with our hearts open wide, to come here with all of our brokenness and shame exposed so that we, we might encounter that tenderness, that merciful love of Jesus, to let ourselves be comforted so that we might become bearers of that exquisite love out into the world, to invade every fortress of darkness and evil, to further God's kingdom, to get more of this world back for the Father, to walk in the authority of knowing that we are so loved and our names are written in heaven. So Jesus, our prayer is like, Lord, use me to smash down the gates of hell that surround hearts that I know and marriages that I know and relationships that surround businesses and corporations that surround neighborhoods and associations. Like, Jesus, use me. Fill me with the tenderness of your love that through me you might invade more and more darkness. Amen.